morning, Antioch. My name is Bree Curley, and I lead the college ministry here, and we're midway through our sermon series out of 1 Samuel, What About Authority? So if you need something to read in your time with Jesus, jump into 1 Samuel and track along with us. And so some of you just saw the amazing reenactment of this story in our service, which is pretty impossible for me to follow up, but I'm going to try. So today we're going to be looking at a story about David and Saul with the lens of how do we respond when we have bad authority in our lives. And we're going to look at some of what our heart, attitude, and actions need to be. Now, this is a big topic with a lot of nuance, and, and so this is really just the tip of the iceberg. And what's nice about this message and this topic is it's not going to take much to convince you that there's bad authority in the world, right? We don't need to look very far in our own past or in the news to know that not everyone in authority are God-fearing men and women. And this sermon series surrounding authority is so important because we're always going to be interacting with those in authority our whole lives, right? Some of those leaders are really close to us, whether it's our parents, our life group leaders, our managers at work. And some of some of these authorities we ne may never meet. They may seem further away from us, right? Like the police or law enforcement or politicians, regardless of what you think of when you think of authority. We know, is, we know the reality is that we're going to bump up against authority the rest of our lives. So we really need to examine what, what we're going to do with that. So today we're going to look at um, the life of David um, in 1 Samuel 24 and some of what he did and didn't do when Saul was actively pursuing him in order to kill him. And David is one of the best examples in scripture that we have of how to respond to bad leaders. And our jobs as students of the word is to really mine out these truths, right? There's not a list of do's and don'ts for all situations in our lives with bad leaders, but instead God gives us the privilege of extracting out truths and principles from scripture. And an anchor verse for me in this season has been Proverbs 25 2, and it states that it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search out a matter is the glory of kings. And I've really taken that to heart in this season, um, that as kings, as, as sons and daughters of God, it is our job to engage with God in this season where we may not understand to search out the scriptures, to search out the mysteries of God. And so I want to encourage you to do that, to, to be a student of the word, to do it alone with Jesus, to do it in your life group, to start a discipleship group with one of the main intentions of understanding the literal word of God. And it's really paramount that we not only know the word of God, what it says, but that we would ask God wisdom in how to understand it and apply it in our lives. And so I know some of us have already read it, but I'm going to read again 1 Samuel 24 verses 1 through 19. This is what it says. After Saul returned from fighting the Philistines, he was told that David had gone into the wilderness of Engedi. So Saul chose 3,000 elite troops from all of Israel and went to search for David and his men near the rocks of the wild goats. At the place where the road passes some sheepfolds, Saul went into a cave to relieve himself. But as it happened, David and his men were hiding further back in that very cave. Now's your opportunity, David's men whispered to him. Today the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power to do with as you wish. So David crept forward and cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. But then David's conscience began bothering him because he had cut off Saul's robe. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this to my Lord, the King. I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed one for the Lord himself has chosen him. So David restrained his men and did not let them kill Saul. After Saul had left the cave and gone on his way, David came out and shouted after him, my Lord, the King. And when Saul looked around, David bowed low before him. Then he shouted to Saul, why do you listen to people who say I'm trying to harm you? 
This very day you can see with your own eyes it isn't true. For the Lord placed you at my mercy back there in the cave. Some of my men told me to kill you, but I spared you. For I said, I will never harm the king. He is the Lord's anointed one. Look, my father, what I have in my hand. It is a piece of the hem of your robe. I cut it off, but I didn't kill you. This proves I'm not trying to harm you and that I have not sinned against you, even though you've been hunting to kill me. May the Lord judge between us. Perhaps the Lord will punish you for what you're trying to do to me, but I will never harm you. As that old proverb says, from evil people come evil deeds. So you can be sure I will never harm you. Who is the king of Israel trying to catch anyway? Should he spend his time chasing one who's as worthless as a dead dog or a single flea? May the Lord therefore judge which one of us is right and punish the guilty one. He is my advocate and he will rescue me from your power. So what's happening here? That's, that's a lot of text, right? But we know that David is in the wilderness fleeing from Saul with his men. Then Saul shows up with 3,000 3, of his men with the intent to kill David. David's presented this opportunity to kill Saul. And yes, it's most likely when he's going to the bathroom. And then David's men encourage him. David, kill Saul like this, and then attributes it to God. God is giving you um, Saul into your hands, but David refuses to kill Saul, and he instead takes a physical um, piece of evidence from Saul's robe, and then David makes his action known and his intentions known to Saul, and he recognizes God as the judge in the situation. So it's a lot of information and a lot we can get out of it, but one of the main things that I want to talk about this morning is that we can't control what our leaders do, but we can control our responses. And God's calling us to walk on a road of integrity and trust. And so this morning I want to talk about two of the other roads David could have chosen before we start to unpack what it looks like to have integrity and trust in God. And so to frame this message a little bit, I want to let you know that I'm starting with the assumption that God wants us to honor and respect and pray for our leaders, even if we don't agree with them, right? There's a ton of scripture on this and an easy one to memorize is 1 Peter 2, 7. It says, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king, right? So this Sunday is not a message on why we honor authority. It's primarily a message on how and what our heart looks like in that process, so something that I do personally when I study scripture is I like to think about all the alternative endings of the story that could have happened. I just kind of insert myself in the story and think through what could have happened. So I was reading this and I started thinking, how didn't David respond to Saul? Right? David had the opportunity to look at his physical circumstances and become one, self-righteous and vengeful, or two, hopeless and insecure. And so I wanna look at those kind of two options that, that David didn't decide to do. This first one, self-righteous and vengeful. So right, David could have looked at who he was and his rights and easily made a way for himself. What do we know about David on the outside, right? He was a better leader than Saul. He had these mighty men who were deeply committed to him, not because of his position, but because of his character and his leadership gifting, right? He was a father to them. He discipled them. He walked with them. He took these ragtag guys and made them the best warriors in all the Near East, right? These men did amazing exploits for David. And he gave them opportunity to walk out in what they were good at. He allowed them to succeed and have victories. David wasn't this tight-fisted leader. And David, he was a better warrior than Saul, right? He had people chanting about him in the streets saying, Saul has slain, slain thousands, David tens of thousands. The people of Israel loved him and recognized him as great. And David was the one who was actually anointed by God to be the leader of Israel, 
right? The Spirit of God had departed from Saul in chapter 16. So David could have justified in many ways just taking what he knew would be his one day. David could have looked at himself in the mirror and said, who does Saul think he is to come against me? Right? He could have easily become angry and offended and self-righteous and bitter and vengeful towards Saul. He could have taken his guys and, and gone up against Saul. And from that place, he could have taken things into his own hand. Right, It was par for the course for, for, to, to kill a leader if you wanted to become king. That's just kind of how it was done in those times. But twice he had the opportunity to kill Saul. If you skip ahead to chapter 26, it's a very similar situation where David showed restraint and said, I will not kill the Lord's anointed. David didn't kill Saul. He didn't turn to being puffed up in who he was and take matters into his own hands. The second road David could have taken is that he could have responded to a situation and he could have looked around and become hopeless and disillusioned. So the other side of the spectrum, if let, let's just think, if you know you were supposed to become the big boss CEO of your company, the other guy had been fired, but he didn't leave the corner office. Instead, he's verbally constantly cutting you down. He's gathering up everyone in the office to turn against you. He's withholding your paycheck. You and your family now have to live in the cave near the rocks of the wild goats, right? It would become really easy to become hopeless or insecure, or angry, and confused, and just dis disillusioned, like, what is going on? How easy it would be to listen to the voice of that leader to determine your worth and your destiny, right? To allow them to cut you down. And on top of the natural circumstance that David found himself in with Saul, David had had this emotional anointing experience with God, right? You can read about it in 1 Samuel 16, but Samuel comes to Jesse's house at Saul's father. And, and Samuel, the prophet, is looking for, a, for one of Jesse's sons to anoint. And Samuel goes through seven of the sons, says, nope, 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 nope. And then little scrappy David comes in from the field and Samuel anoints him. And in 1 Samuel 16, 13, it says, and the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Right? David had this powerful moment with God when he knew he was called to something. But his circumstances aren't adding up to that. Right? Has that ever happened to you? You're doing the right thing, but it does not look like God's coming through. It, it becomes really easy to start listening to the voice of the enemy or others around you that say, Hey, you know what? That was just an emotional experience. That wasn't real. God isn't going to pull you through. You aren't really called to that thing. You're, you're probably not going to make it. Look around. There's this really big chasm between you and becoming king. You should just give up. Go back to being a shepherd. You were really good at that. right? David could have looked around and said, this is impossible. And you know what? That, that, that moment of anointing with Samuel it was just some emotional experience. And if he had kept walking down that road, he could have taken it a step further, further and said, yeah, you know, that, that Yahweh, that God, he isn't really faithful to what he said he was going to do. I'm supposed to be king. Or if he is real, he's cruel to allow me to be in this situation over and over and over again. Right? David could have chosen to believe and adjust to either one of those scenarios. Becoming self-righteous, puffed up, vengeful, or becoming insecure and disillusioned with, with God. But he doesn't do that. He doesn't tap out of the purposes of God for his life. He stays faithful. 
it would have been really easy for him to give up because of what was what was happening around him was painful and exhausting and dangerous and confusing and a lot of us have heard this story many times we're like oh yeah David was in a cave Saul was trying to kill him again but but insert yourself in the story again try to feel the emotion and the fear and and all that was happening in David it is this was a, a, a deeply emotional and isolating time for him right he's he's probably feeling like he's caught in a cyclical cycle of dysfunction hoping it's going to change right and it doesn't but David doesn't walk down either one of those paths he has those emotions you can read the Psalms and see a lot of them but he chooses another road so let's take a look at how David does choose to respond to Saul. So why was David able to respect his leaders? First, one of the main things we see in this passage is that David had integrity in his speech and his actions. So let's go back to the goat cave, right? Saul's in the cave and David's men are encouraging him. Hey, David, this is it. Kill him. What does David say? Verse six and seven, David said to his men, the Lord for forbid that I should do this to my Lord, the king. I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed one, for the Lord himself has chosen him. So David restrained his men and did not let them kill Saul. This took some discipline and maturity on David's part, right? In secret, when Saul wasn't there, David's speech and action had integrity and were honoring to Saul. He didn't criticize Saul among his men. He didn't make some bathroom joke behind his back. He didn't complain at what a crazed man he was. And we don't have good examples of what it looks like to honor authority in our broader culture. Our broader culture today says, cut them down, embarrass them, slander them on social media, turn them into a funny meme, right? Now, there are so many complicated dynamics with bad authority. And, and so some of this is hard for us to swallow in our culture. But these are really good things to wrestle with. So if something in this message hits you and you say, I don't know about that. I don't know if I can really honor or respect bad authority. Good. Take that tension. Take that thing that's rubbing against you and go to Jesus and process it. Go to community. Go to your life group and work through those things, right? In the election season and, and kind of the height of a lot of crazy things that were happening in the fall, my life group took a week where we focused on talking through obeying authority. What does it look like when we disagree with certain things that are happening? How can we still honor God and honor our leaders, right? These are really tricky things, but don't shy away from these conversations and these biblical truths. David knew God's truth. So he, he rejected men's opinion. He rejected the opinion of his men who were saying, kill him, because it was in conflict with God's word. He had integrity even when Saul wasn't around to hear it. And the second way that David had integrity was actually in front of Saul, was in a public way. He bowed down in front of him and he showed him that little piece of robe as proof of integrity of his actions. Verse 8 says, David came out and shouted after him, after Saul, my lord the king. And when Saul looked around, David bowed low before him. Right? What courage and humility. To, for, for David for, to be willing to get in a vulnerable and honoring position in front of someone who's coming after you to murder you. Then in verse 11, David says to Saul, Look, my father, at what I have in my hand. It is a piece of the hem of your robe. I cut it off, but I didn't kill you. This proves that I'm not trying to harm you and that I have not sinned against you, even though you have been hunting for me 
right? Respecting our leaders is an internal work. It does not mean that we have to be subject to abuse and stay in bad situations. It doesn't mean that we blindly do whatever anyone tells us, right? David waited a few minutes for Saul to walk away before he yelled his name. He had some boundaries. He wasn't dumb, right? I'm not saying that if you're in a situation where there's abusive power that you need to stay in it. We see that David didn't just succumb to Saul's will of him and his men getting murdered. He, he addressed his leader. He called him out. It, it was a public setting that David was doing this, right? We as believers are called to bring justice and righteousness to environments we are in. But David's goal here in addressing Saul, it was trying to create peace. It was showing Saul that he was not against him. David was not justifying himself by holding up that piece of rope. The goal wasn't embarrassing Saul. It was a plea to call Saul to righteousness and create peace in the land. David was committed to honoring Saul, but more than that, he was committed to the will of God, which was for him to one day become king. And so there's times when God uses leaders to develop humility and obscurity, and we're supposed to bite our tongues and not say anything right? That's because it's about our sanctification. It's about our humility. It's what about God, what God wants to do in us. And then there's times where we need to blow the whistle, right? It's not just, it's not about agreeing with your leaders, but it's about your internal posture towards them and towards God. So we see the first way David was able to respect his leaders was because he was a man of integrity. And the second was he knew the role of God and he trusted God. So what was one of the biggest differences between Saul and David that we see throughout this whole book? We see that Saul listened to the voice of men where David trusted God to be the highest authority. Let's go back to that interaction where David holds up the robe, right? Right before, David asked Saul, why do you listen to the people who say I'm trying to harm you? Another version says, why do you listen to the voice of men? David says, you can see with your own eyes it isn't true. Why are you believing them? It's not true that I want to kill you. David's saying, look around. Look at this piece of robe. Stop giving in to what everyone around you thinks is true. They're deceiving you. Right? David had an accurate picture of the situation because he knew God's perspective. So he could reject when others were giving him wrong advice and went against the word of God. And he had enough security to point his leader to the truth. And it begs us to ask, What voices are informing how we view our situations, right? Do they line up with God's word? What kind of rhetoric are we drinking in through our certain news sources that affect our our respect of leaders, right? Or are we joining into the office gossip slack line that's criticizing your manager? Are you sitting around with your roommates talking about what bad decisions leaders at the church makes, right? What What voices are you allowing to affect you? David had this accurate picture of God's role in bringing justification and judgment. Verses 12 and 15 say, May the Lord judge between us. Perhaps the Lord will punish you for what you're trying to do to me, but I will never harm you. Verse 15, May the Lord therefore judge which one of us is right and punish the guilty one. He is my advocate and he will rescue me from your power. Right? There will be times when you feel like an authority is blocking you. Right When there's a man or a woman or a system that's making it impossible for you to get where you feel like God's leading you. Saul was in David's way to his destiny. That that is a fact. 
but David knew his role in the situation and he knew God's role. David wasn't passive in the situation, right? He wasn't just sitting around. He was doing things. He was becoming a good leader and a warrior. He was preparing for what God said. He, he wasn't being passive, but he also wasn't being reactive, right? He was being responsive to God and responsive to Saul. David rejected the urgent, and he had enough patience to stop and think before he acted and spoke. And he trusted God in the process and in the testing. And the fruit of that was David's own sanctification and getting to be in the lineage of the best leader that's ever walked the earth. Right? We can't change our leaders, but we can control our response. And we can control how we respond to the will of God. And while David is an amazing example, I just want to finish by reminding us of Jesus. If you really want to punch in the gut on how to interact with authority, go to the Gospels. Right? Jesus died an innocent man by the hands of unjust authority because he was obeying the will of the Father for you and me. Right? That should have deep weight and impact to us. Jesus did not defend himself, but scriptures say that he was silent before his accusers because that's what it meant for Jesus in that moment to be fully obedient to the will of his Father. Jesus, like David, he was looking to God to bring justice. Jesus was unwavering in knowing his mission, and he was willing to take the painful road of the cross for our sake. And so Jesus, he's, he's the ultimate example of what it looks like to obey God under unjust and corrupt leadership. And because of Jesus' sacrifice of, of what we've received, we're free. We're free to not be the ones who feel like we have to bring vindication to every evil. We're called to walk in integrity and intimacy and trust with God. And we can know that the fruit of that will, will be bringing flourishing and healthy environments wherever we are. And we're free from the opinion of others because we know we're chosen by God and our security and destiny is in his hands, not given from the hands of men. So this morning, I want to ask you, allow the Lord to examine your hearts in regards to how you, how you view authority, right? Are there places like Saul where you've allowed other voices to come and determine your actions or your thought patterns? It could be an authority in the past who spoke things over you that aren't in line with God's will that you may need to work through. Or it might be a place that you need to ask God to renew hope for a situation that seems like it's blocked, where you're giving a person too much power in your future as opposed to knowing that God is the one who will make a way. It could just be a straight-up bad attitude towards someone that you need to repent of and ask for forgiveness, right? Or, or you can ask God to allow you to grow your integrity so that you can take a stand in certain situations or trust that God's plan will be accomplished. Whatever it is, take heart in knowing that God himself is the perfect and ultimate authority who's eager for us to become like him. Have a great weekend, y'all.